นโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะพุทธังธรรมังสังฆังนัมสามิ I referred a couple of times to fields, and in some ways this is something you immediately get a sense of. Particularly when we're in a group, we could say there's a field effect. You know, we're all individuals, and yet there's a certain communal resonance that gives us a sense of being an, an entity. You know, a, a many-limbed, many-headed entity, <laughs> uh, like uh, that pours into the hall and oozes around and. Slips down the stairs and bits of it go off this direction, rather like some enormous kind of uh, amoebic quality. <laughs> uh, and then it gathers together again, and, uh, and you can recognize, yeah, that's that's true. You know, in a way, you know, we, we are we are starting to uh, at least bear such a possibility in mind because we often live in very uh, fragmented. Um, Individualized situations it merge into something that's uh, more um, communal, not just to be a nice person uh, or cooperate, but because um, it helps put our individuality in perspective. Mm. You know, as one one violin in the orchestra, uh, one one theme that has to be played, but played in harmony with others, so it really comes into into true. And this is even more strongly the case with uh, the mind. You'd also probably recognize the mind as a field of different effects that run through emotions, thoughts, impressions, uh, perceptions, memories, um, negative effects, fears, worries, irritations. Joys, aspirations, courage, tenderness. Those are his qualities, called dhammas. These are qualities. And they're not really entities, they're just qualities that can become strong or diminish, ebb, flow, and move through this field of mind. All this, we would say, is of the nature of citta. Um, And citta's fundamental. Um, essences are called dhammas, mm. um, these potencies. Uh, you know, and so you can't really say, well, let's have an inch of humor or five seconds. Of, you know, it's not linear. It's a, these are qualities, and there can be subtle qualities of of, of grief or um, tender-heartedness that flow into compassion. So things are really not things; they're they're potentials. They're potentials that you can amplify by dwelling upon them. You dwell upon them, sustain them; they they amplify. And this is a, another fundamental um, property of of mind. Whatever we give attention to, that becomes the dominant feature, for good or for bad. So attention is an amplifier, and uh, you know, what we give our attention to, and uh, it's also um, it means there's a good degree of choice to be taken. 
That is, if we can select, you know, discern uh, qualities and potentials that are favorable and dwell upon those, those will increase. Mm. And, so, and so if we're afflicted with difficult experiences, the idea is you don't just dwell upon them, think about them, worry about why you're like this, feel annoyed with yourself, feel fed up with yourself for being so thick and stupid after all these years and find out whose fault it was and you know, so on and what you're going to do about it and maybe you could do this or the other. All this is really dwelling <coughs> upon it, but you can make that recognition, this is an afflictive dhamma. What does it need? Not what do I want, but what does it need? What does worry need? Worry surely needs something to give it support. You know, and it's right there in the chitta, the sense of holding it carefully, um, steadying it. Um, uh, and how do we come out of the grip of these afflictions? Mm. Yeah, because they are, they, they're, when you dwell upon them, the nature of the mind is that, that that quality, that sense floods the entire field of mind, becomes a worry field. We worry about whether we're doing this right, and worry about the time, worry about ourselves, worry about what people think of us, worry if we're going to get it right now, we worry about what we're getting right in the future. We're trying to make sure we don't we do get it right, and it just everything is it's based upon that dhamma. So how do you come out of that? Yeah. And essentially, there are two resources. Fun, one fundamental resource is the body. The body has its own field, and it's sympathetic. That means if you uh, bring your attention to a bodily experience, a truly bodily experience, the quality of that then uh, begins to um, be picked up by the mind. So the bodily experience of groundedness, stability, you stay in that, linger in that, give attention to that, the mind, you know, the heart picks up that quality and begins to, you know, find strength in that and begins that quality begins to suffuse the field of mind. So the body fields and the mind field are to ov- overlap or in sympathy with each other. As we know, when we feel angry, our body tightens up, we feel anxious, our body knots up, we feel depressed, our body sinks. You feel happy and loving, our body opens up. You know, so just as the mind affects the body, the body can bring its strengthening, its uh, um, qualities to mind. And this is the body not as a, something we perceive with our eyes, but as an internally felt experience. So I call it embodiment. It's not bones and marrow, it's the sense of well, a sense of a body internally, uh, embodiment, uh, you could call it nervous energy, vitality, chi, breath. It's something immaterial, mm. you know, and yet it affects the material. Mm. And this immaterial aspect, or fine material aspect, it's an energetic aspect of the bodily experience, when it's steadied, um, calm, soothed, uh, it's an asset for samadhi, the mind dwells in a bit, uh, feels comforted by it, feels settled in it, feels happy in it, and begins to release its stress. So we, we gently keep dropping the mind, heart, jitta into the body. And so this is why we do put a considerable amount of effort and attention, energy and care into establishing body in all postures and in all actions, internally. Mm. Establishing the body internally. Mm. And the whole body internally. And even though this is a simple enough expression, it's quite a, uh, itself is quite a profound uh, practice because I would suggest many people 
the internal body is not complete, not completely there. It's marginalised. Mm. Back is hardly discerned apart from pain. Uh, legs, not much. Mm. Back of the head, don't sense that at all. Maybe you get the face, hands, um, a lot around the eyes, uh, perhaps some cramping. And f- most of the day, that's probably most of the body. That's about it. <laughs> As an internal experience. Mm. Because we don't live in na- with nature. And so we live in very uh, urbanized um, societies and also not just physically urbanized, but even psychologically urbanized. Uh, they they, they uh, begin to eliminate the body, the felt body, the internal body. And so w- the internal body is replaced by the system. The system pulls us forward. Uh, the system holds us back. The system makes us go faster. And the body is dragged along behind it. Mm. The system could be traffic. It could be um, telephone systems. It's the whole infrastructure is, is mecha- mechanized, systematized. And it doesn't operate in accordance with body rhythm. So body can't really do that. So we leave the body and go into a particularly um, limited uh, aspect of mind. And so the body disappears. Next thing disappears or gets shut down is heart. Yeah. Because clearly systems are not heartful. They may be effective, efficient, but they're not heartful. They're not about feeling things. They're not about uh, balance, beauty, joy. And they're just about getting things done. So heart becomes redundant and it closes down. As we notice in the public domain, whenever you come into something very system- systematic, it's just name, number, thank you, good day, goodbye, pray this, good day, get on to the next one, you know, and contact our website for details because <laughs> there's nobody there <laughs> there's no humans in it anymore <laughs> so there's no hey how are you you know or very limited anyway so you know there's one lot one could say about that but um you know i'm suggesting just using this phrase wilderness training mm-hmm. in a way we are in a wilderness but a lot of it's a psychological wilderness uh and it's very difficult to get out of the psychological wilderness using the same kind of systems and consciousness that got you into it. Mm. And we might you know, use another phrase for systems and the consciousness that gets into this, I call it proximate, I call it the business model. Mm. Move forward, higher, better, quicker, faster, get to the end point. Mm. the business model mm. it's you look at the way a city is structured you've got these streets which are very narrow you know boundaries forward is the way to go faster you know ten lanes shh, that way no lateral all forward and faster to the end point <coughs> so the mind adopts that that form that shape that that Belief, there's progress is this way, where you're not at yet. It's where you're not. It's progress. It's it's over there, but it's not where you are. It's over there. And to get to there, it's as quickly straight line as possible. The mind adopts that particular form, shape, and trajectory. Mm. And so it becomes so endemic. The mind is molded into that till, in fact, even when we meditate, we can still have that same kind of mind has been molded into that shape and that arrowhead. So, you know, meditate, get to the point, 
get on, make progress to Nibbana, which is rather like progress where you're not. <laughs> it's somewhere over there. Yeah. So just feel, you know, what the, the energy of that, that sort of pull, you know, that leaning forward, that struggling forward and the effort one can make because again the mind is accustomed patterned into making that kind of effort to arrive at the place where it will be okay and it's never got there yet so clearly we have to go faster and make more effort to get there now that's the sort of business model Mm. you would not you cannot do that in a wilderness there are no straight lines, there are no streets. You know, if you just go rushing through the wilderness, you will hit something, you'll probably fall off a cliff or die or go into a swamp or fall over a tree or get eaten by something. It does not work. Mm. Mm. You have to be have a very global awareness of what's behind, what's around, what's happening up in the sky, how's the earth, how solid is the ground. How's my heartbeat? How's my energies? Yeah. What's that sound? What is that? We're not fur- not restlessly running around. In fact, what happens if you're in wilderness is there's a disengagement. This is a very significant uh, feature of meditation practice. Is this, is, this, is this disengage, which means right now I'm not in a thought or a sight, or a sound, I'm sitting behind all that. It's like you're in the center, and those possibilities of seeing, hearing, thinking, touching, and they're around you. But you're in the center, and you take your time as to what you're going to go out to, and you're listening to the signals. Uh What's in the field? (laughs) You know? What's in the field of awareness? Because this peripheral sense of all these potentials around, now which one do I want to select? So our primary duty is to come away from the linear point-driven psychology to cent- on the center of the field and just checking out what, where the currents are, where the drift is, where the wind's bringing in. We'll see what the, whether the ground is even. Yeah. Mm. And it's that. Disengagement for anything specific so they get a more global awareness of the potentials in our field. Mm. Now the mind has a field, yeah, which is clearly all the uh, perceptions, uh, feelings, um, memories, it's, you know, energies. Mm. Mind has that field, body has a field, which is its own energetic sensitivities and intelligence, its ability to find balance, its abilities to operate movement, which we could never really figure out with our heads how to even walk. Body knows that. That's in its domain. It's sensitive. It knows subtle qualities of pressure, touch, whether something's threatening or dangerous, soft or cool, sharp or soft. Yeah, it's checking that out. It knows its own sense. Is it tense? Yeah, is it all here yet? Is it is it relaxed? Is it comfortable? Is it connected? So the whole thing is available, mm. or is it just the sort of a you know head stuck on something that's sort of half there but rather you know now more flat. Hand sticking out somewhere or the other, and a foot on the end of it, but most of it's just this sort of, uh. <laughs> you know, or is it is it a, a flowing entity? And so, as we cultivate, we're certainly going to be doing things to try to uh, open and and settle and steady the internal bodily field, mind field, body field, uh, and uh, the other. And of course, we we've have another field, which is our field of our karma, or we might say our acquisition. You could say our conditioning. You could say our history. You could say our programs. You could say our residues. That is 
there's a certain, as we've come into this birth and life, where there's a certain patterning gets laid down. Mm. Mm. A certain patterning occurs around how you make friends and mm, what's good behavior and where's the approval or disapproval and you know what's right and wrong and this kind of stuff and where you get pain and blame and what you have to do and so we we followed those signals we've been uh, programmed both by the senses and of course by our immediate family and then also by the society and it's, it's built in certain triggers certain flashpoints certain um, imperatives, certain no-goes, uh, and they're all acquisitions. Yeah, they've been acquired. Yeah. A- and so th- th- we all have a particular karmic shape or res- residue shape, or residue forms. And as we sit in meditation, these start speaking, don't they? They start welling up. And they are inadequacy or the, the odd one out, or the person has to do everything, the over-responsible ones, or the f- person who feels they should try harder, or and so on and so on and so on. Now, of course, you know, w- with teachings on karma, very often it can come to the feeling of, well, you know, you did this, therefore you get that. And it, so it can come like a kind of, of a blaming exercise really like you blew it so you're getting the results now so there don't complain but um <laughs> karma is actually even though i call it the karmic field because karma refers to not to so much the acquisition but to the activation karma really means action and the actions occur based upon the a priori assumptions or attitudes or residues. I act this way because I sh- think I should. It's my, uh, yeah, I, I'm supposed to, or I, I never can, or I ought to, or they want me to. So jump, yeah? Or I've got to do this, or it needs to be, or that's, that's lovely, I'm desirable, I want one of those. Or you can't have that, you know? So those, those kind of bases, the acquisitions and fresh karma is when we keep acting upon those messages, those, um, yeah? Mm. yeah? Where do those messages come from? Uh, where, did you, where did you learn those? And so much of this is actually kind of implanted by our socio-cultural um, context, which we also dwell in. We live in a socio-cultural field which, yeah, you know, <laughs> often highly driven towards work, money, job, uh, getting on ahead, uh, highly stratified, superior, supreme, wealthy, poor, uh, you know, good, bad, highly competitive, highly self-conscious, highly self-critical. Mm. There are only few winners. And uh, so you have to try harder to be one. No, th- so this is the kind of really broadly speaking. These are the these are the acquired tendencies because when you, the nature of the mind is it picks up, jitta picks up the signals in the field, and it internalizes them, or it, it is molded by them. It's not a decision. You don't decide this. It's like it's like you're like a sponge, and you just absorb it. Chitta is, has that nature to it, but once it's internalized, it feels like me. It feels like I am that. That's called an acquisition. <laughs> it's just, it means the mission has been accomplished. You have now the chitta has now been taken on the message and made it myself. <laughs> yeah, the message of not enough too much, too loud, too strong, too big, too small, too slow, too, you know, whatever, you know. Uh, it's taken on that, it's become myself. And now myself, I have the personality, tries to organize those messages into some kind of coherent lifestyle. It's because you've got to be a person, and that is also a condition, a very powerful conditioning factor. 
because personality essentially is our shop window and naturally we all chitta naturally seeks harmony and so we try to get our shop window to more or less you know have reasonable merchandise reasonable <laughs> presentation in it we will people will kind of accept us or be okay with it you know so we put out the personality and you know how does he do that well there's the clothes there's the hair there's the face there's the yeah, yeah, there's the places you go where you become part of the thing and everybody's doing this. Well, everybody's doing it so it must be okay. At least I'm with the group. Yeah. But then you realize, well, you know, in a bit of time, we're all crazy. And just be, you know, try to be cheerful about it. So, you know, very important to to the other field to bear in mind and to make much of is the field of Dhamma. Uh, so the field of, quite triple gem field, if you like, Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha. And you can name this in many, many ways. Yeah. Just like if you look into the visual field, you could see all the reds or the blues. You say, well, they're all colors. Yeah, all shapes. Mm. Essentially, the nature of the visual field is um, to do with light frequencies, isn't it? And the red ones and blue ones and white ones and black ones and green ones. You know. But, and so similarly with the the triple gem field, the nature of it is all uh, it has liberation as its common theme, as its common quality. Just as light is the common quality of visual phenomena, liberation is the common quality of the Dhamma field. And there could be liberation such as mindfulness, potential um, loving kindness, you know, composure, um, respect, uh, careful attention. It's any number of these uh, qua- you know, particular potencies in this field of liberation, which is the Dhamma field. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, the big thing is we, we begin to open ourselves to that and we s- f- s- in tracking that like you're in the wilderness and you're picking up where's the wind or where's the you know where can i smell smoke uh, wood fire somewhere can i hear sounds we're picking up is there a quality here in this dumber field that i can pick up and take in and make much of hmm? and if you do then this quality is going to become stronger and then as you sit in it, it begins, to, and you, if you breathe in it, which <laughs> you will breathe in it, but you really get the breathing uh, as an energetic form, then the, the, that, that dumber potency goes into your body. And something in you relaxes, opens, energy shift. And you're getting something that's no longer just an idea. It's a felt reality. Uh, that begins to rewire your internal body. You feel balanced, stress drops, you you feel more open, strangely more spacious. These are the internal qualities. Clearly your outward form doesn't change that much. Uh, And therefore, then the mind based on that, picks up those qualities. So, you know, this is all, you know, things flowing together. So when we are, as we are entering our field, so this morning just mentioning the quality of sadha, I tend to use the Pali word first because uh, of the nature of the English language with all its nuances and what it can create or not create. So faith doesn't mean belief. It means a certain willingness and openness. And the quality of openness does not move forward. Yeah, it does not. It's not. It's not a. It's not linear. It doesn't move forward. It opens. See, this is why this is called. This is the crucial entry point, really. 
Uh, whether we've acknowledged it or not, we've all had that. <laughs> you know, whether we really have to name it, we've all had that. Something in a sense, hey, open up something. You know, rather than that constant driving forward or feeling stuck or trying, uh, just stop and open a little. Listen, listen, listen. And that's, this is sattā. Yeah. And it may be the particular teachings or teachers or qualities act as the catalyst for that. And truly we are blessed whenever that occurs. It means something arrived and but lit up our potential. Hmm. Well, it just it's not all sealed, not scientifically delivered. I'm not entirely a hundred percent who I've been programmed to be. There's a there's a possibility. Yeah, and you know, whatever we can, can th- whatever we can think from that, yeah, that's yeah, whatever we can feel from that, but also even the, the bodily possibility of feeling a little more there's something there that's got some comfort for me. I have the power. Yeah, I have this power. The power to open. And that wasn't in the script. That wasn't in the program. That wasn't socially induced. This is mine. I can open. I can listen. I could sniff the wind, you know. I don't know where I'm going, but at least I can check things out. I don't have to rush forward or feel frozen. I can check things out and check it out very thoroughly. Yeah. How does this quality feel? And what was it that catalyzed that? Was it the honesty, the, uh, the compassion, the sense of a gift? This is for you. No, no nothing. Just this is for you. Don't pay anything. This is for you. Just the act of love. Yeah, that something leaned over and dropped something into your into your field just for for nothing. Mm. We were we were gifted. Mm. Any of these qualities, you know, you feel the shimmering of being touched and an opening. This is um, you know precious capacity. And then from there you know, from there, is that opening, this, this is quality of um, sattā has, uh, it has a furthering. Mm. It's not a frozen quality. It has a furthering. Its furthering is a sense of may I, that aspiration. Yeah. And maybe we don't even got word, but just may I. We're beginning to Respect ourselves, respect that I, I can open, may I, you know, find a way out of suffering. Even that, it's a blessing for ourselves. And really taking that in and making much of it. Because it, this sadha definitely has an, uh, 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 it's a message and it's not just a one point, it's also something that emanates and, and shifts and changes. It changes the aspiration. Well, I could at least try five minutes. Yeah. (laughs) I could have another go. I could, you know, just that that willingness to to push a little bit, to move a little bit. Not to get anywhere, but just to feel a sense of coming into your own strength. This is a quality called virya. And it means energy. And so as sadha takes root, becomes established, there's a, some sense of a, I want to do, I want to activate, I want to something. Energy is there. We don't feel frozen, we don't feel stagnant. Something saying, I want to, I want to, I want more, I want, I want, you know. And it's a good desire. It's just the arising of one's uh, potency. And then you stay with that. Don't stretch it. Don't strain it. Just dwell in that. And then can we find 
you know, uh, where is this going to be most fruitful? Where it will really be uh, nourished? It's like you've got a seed, now you need to have a womb to, s- to sit in so it's going to grow. Well, let's just bring it into this body. Mm. You know, may I sit? May I walk? May I stand? May I discard what I don't need? You know, don't, you know, may I drop things I don't need? And so the, the quality of, of virya is a certain potency that begins to have a kind of a, a determining sense. Mm. You know, so clearly we all have energy. Virya means energy. We all have energy. What does it do? You know, it, 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 it can go any which way. Zing off there, step back there. Now it's saying, wait a minute, there's something really pertinent to do here. And so the energy starts to seek a form to to potentize it. And then, oh, mm, yeah, this, that. Well, I know I've got a body. <laughs> you know, let's get into that and and make that feel stronger and more grounded. So it's isn't, you know, where it goes wrong is when we get too ideological and idealistic about about um, you know what to do. And then it can easily slip into a kind of uh, a spiritualization of the business model, <laughs> which is once the fire and down there along the line, it's, you know, there's the old Nibbana button if I can get there, you know, or something. And then we're, we're doing that. No, just just realize it's never in the future. The future is something, an experience that's generated by a certain. Um, stress in the present. <laughs> it's, no, it isn't the future. There's <laughs> just the present with his heaving and buckling and quaking and moving. And one of the movements it does is it projects a future. Yeah. Now if that ceases, that settles down, future? I don't see any futures. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, we, we are essentially bringing it back to the present. This, is, of course, is, you know, pretty familiar story, isn't it? Present moment. But, of course, the present is not really a moment. It's not a moment. It's, uh, it's all there is. And, but it's also, it's not a static thing, it's not a point, it's a, it's a constantly uh, uh, a field of temporality whereby, you know, uh, memories and anticipations are occurring and, you know, it's not a, lin- it's not a, ti- it's not a time as ours, it's time as a medium of uh, presence. And as you meditate, your time can slow right down. Mm. And there are times when it, there are occasions when it can stop. Because time is a representation of our nervous energy. You cool and calm, your time frame begins to lengthen and widen, and your felt experiences all the time in the world. Tightens up, there's never enough time. So you go faster and tighter. So still there's not enough time because not enough time is a representation of a uptight nervous system. <laughs> so if you go fast, you get more uptight. There's still no more, not enough time. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it goes. Yeah. And we, we kind of believe in that, that model. Mm. So mm, present... And uh, let me just bring, what, what do we know that's present? Well, just can we complete this spatial experience, which we call the embodied experience? I'll say more about that. Uh, at another time or another occasion, mm. or if it comes up anyway. <laughs> yeah. 
But just to say briefly that real space, rather than imagined space, is is a bodily experience. Uh, it's a sense of having room, having space. Uh, space, in this sense, is an experience of um, the degree of containment, the degree of openness there is. So in this very room, one can feel a lot of space if the body is open and relaxed. You feel a lot of space. Mm. Sitting still, you can feel like a vast space. And you can be in, a, in what looks like a vast space with your eyes and you can still feel like a tightened up, shriveled pea <laughs> in an empty space. So the experience of spaciousness is an element. It's not a visual thing, it's not a geographical thing, it's, a, it's a something that's sensed through the body. I have space. And we begin to uh, open that faculty by increasing or opening the body internally. The internal body, as it's more open, experiences a lot of space. Not in a spaced out way, but in a comfortable way. It means I'm not under pressure. I have room. I have potentials. I have agility. I can move. I'm not rigid, frozen, locked, pushed. That's the experience of internal space through the body. When the mind begins to pick up that theme, there's a pause between one thought and the next. There's a space around these strange moods that listens. Mm. There's a ability to just hang quietly. Mm-hmm. That's not nothing, is it? It's the vowel. Mm. It's the great vowel that we live within. Open with tones running through it. So some, you know, practical instructions. So clearly just Sadda Virya's potent energy, just to complete that little list, mindfulness is that which you know, there's a recognition, hey, stay with this. You know, hold this. Don't, it's a sense of be with this, sustain this, stay with this, don't drop this, stay on topping with this quality. Don't rush forward. Don't look down, just stay with this. See where it's going. Sati, mindfulness, bear this in mind. Mm. We heard the sound, we picked up the trail, follow it. Where's that going? Don't run down it. Just follow where it leads. Don't, you know, try to get to the end of it. You'll fall down a hole. Just follow it carefully. Follow the trail. Sati. Stay on theme. Panya. uh, Oh, Samadhi. Get really settled in that. Collected in that. There's no if and should, maybe, what about that? Just This is clear and you clear and steady and stay with it. The doubting mind, the hesitant mind, the irresolute mind, you you begin to just come out of that, stay with this, enjoy, enjoy, deepen, enjoy, samadhi. Uh, Make it enjoyable. Don't make it a work project. Make it as enjoyable as craft is as enjoyable as cooking is, if you do it right. It's you moulding stuff, taking out the dross, refining, you know, make it enjoyable. Mm. And as you do it, feel a sense of quiet pride. This is bit, this is, feels more beautiful. Mm. Enjoy. Banya, just that quality of discernment. This bit isn't needed. That's irrelevant. That's rough. That's where we. That's where it 
really settles. That's where it feels most settled. This you can discard, that you can let go of this bit, most settled. Discernment. So these are called indriyas. They're the five authorities. Indriya means uh, something that can lead. It's the leader. And uh, these spiritual indriyas then replace what are called the uh, sense indriyas, the eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, which also lead. We're saying, no, just check that one. Stepping back, disengagement from those. Not they're not there, but uh uh-huh. Those are the sense indriya. Eye, ear, nose, tongue, touch. There's a spiritual indriya. Faith, sadha, virya, energy, uh, sati, mindfulness, samadhi, collectedness, banya, discernment. Let's follow and potentize those qualities. Mm. And here we're doing pretty simple things in some ways. Breathing in and out, standing, walking, feeling the body internally, operating the body so we're completely there with when we stand or sit or walk or breathe. And just as any craft, any craft, as you begin to work it, the material begins to speak. Qualities come out of the wood, out of the food, out of the out of the garden. Qualities arise as you work it. You know, things start to, the gold starts to shine as you polish it. So that you get this kind of sense of real crafting is, you know, bringing out the potential in the material that we're handling, body and mind. We're bringing out the 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 goodness in those materials. The um, uh, as I said the beauties of the mind field, the Dhamma field, bringing those out. Mm. And so we take something relatively straight. Well, in some ways, frustratingly simple. You know, breathing in and out, just even just getting a sitting posture, and working with that. You know how you operate, how you energize your back, or relax your shoulders, or get your breathing to descend to your belly, relax your face, your eyes, breathe deeply. There's a little bit of craft there to do that. And then the results are you get some feedback, something in you feels deeper and more steady. Dwelling in that, one begins to put aside thoughts of the past, the future, even thoughts of the present, oneself, thoughts of oneself, thoughts of others. If they come in as they will, then you, no, mindfulness, not that, this. Mm. And you can also then, the, if we take the time to get this, or establish this whole body, you know, which is our really crucial first work, because it's only when you get the whole body that you can get the whole breath, the whole breathing. When you get the entire breath body, then you have a tremendous uh, asset because this breath body can send its energy through the stress and send its calm and its vitality through the mental struggle. We breathe through our fearfulness. We breathe through our restlessness. We breathe through our sleepiness. We send energy through those, those, those distressing potencies and we begin to clear them. This is the potential. But like any craft, you've got to, you know, get the rough material, begin to shape it up. So using this physical form until, and my recommendation, you know, mindfulness of breathing is don't start with that. Start with the body and wait, just practice with that until the breath comes to you. The breath arises like the shine of gold as you polish it, or like the grain of wood as you cut through the bark, yeah. or like the savour of something as you cook it. It comes out when the body is prepared, and you get the sense of that inner vitality moving. Yeah. And then as, you, as you're getting that, then it becomes something that you can use and dwell in and direct through your bodily form. Mm. 
to it becomes exceptionally uh, resourceful. If it doesn't arrive, then you stay with your body and you begin to contemplate the body internally. This is the shoulder, this is the chest, this is the right breast, this is the left, this is, could that, how is that? When you come to areas in your body that are difficult or impacted or stressed, uh, again, the sense of the body field is what you refer to. In other words, don't just focus on the difficult piece and start nagging at it or pushing it. Take the difficult experience and drop it into the whole, as much of the whole body as you can sense. So if you've got stuff in your shoulder, being aware of that quality in your shoulder and then widening your awareness to include your arm, your fingers, your chest, your back, just as wide as you can. And you're opening a field, the body field, and so that tight, difficult piece has got something to release into. You know? And it takes its time. You can't shove it around. You know? It's not directed by the will. But it's the field opens and that invitation and welcoming the painfulness is the invitation. Welcome in rather than get away, then there's a possibility for the locked energies in the wounded places to begin to drip and melt and run through the form. (sighs) Breathing out. This is not a finger snap process. It's the quality, it's the speed of a plant taking up water. It's just a soft emanation. So there's a little piece, you know, you come into painful places in your body, aware of the painful place, what's around it, widened as much as you can sense completely and welcome the difficulty into the whole picture. And this, in fact, encourages the body to open up more fully. Because often the pain in your shoulder is related to a certain tension in your guts that you didn't even notice. So as you open it, you find, oh, there. I can let go there. Oh, that's strange. Suddenly the signal goes through the whole form. So this is, you know, craftsmanship, preparing your your model and uh, and as whenever this says this is right, as it ripens, settling into that, breathing yourself into that. Mm. And naturally, you know, uh, if there's a bodily release, there's some sort of psychological, emotional, mental release too. This, this is the way it works. So I'll stop there and uh, I'm going to suggest, because we now have coming up to a a transition period when some people are going to be going out to help prepare the food and others, I would suggest we do some walking. Mm -hmm. I'd like to take these three or four minutes to um, get up, (laughs) 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 creak, and uh, (coughs) just to say, uh, you know, the Stand before you can walk, you've got to stand. And this has been a big thing when we were two years old. This was major. And so, you know, it's, it's uh, just drawing yourself up. So you want to get your feet really planted and dropping your tail a little. So you remember, this is wilderness, so you're not walking down a paved street. 
Yeah. You've got to make sure your whole body's there. And you've got some spring in your legs and you're not, bru- you're not crunched over and you're not broody. Your chest is open. You're checking things out through your body. You're standing. Your arms are away from your body so they're ready to move if need be. It's light. It's not rigid. Rigidity is death in the wilderness. And then we even walk, we're going to f- give the signal, let's get walking and just see what happens. You know? That's how you walk. You're not walking on a paved street. So you've got to really let your weight come down one leg, lift from the back, back of the hip, haunch, get your leg to come up and then turn to come forward. Wait there, you turn to come forward. There's a swing, you notice, in walking. Mm. You see the way that the uh, cat or dog walks. There's a flow, because everything is walking. Mm. Business model, it's a march, head, Bonnie scuttling along underneath it. But in the wilderness, it's the body walk, so you come to there, weight on one leg, and you're going to lift the other leg. And y- your swing is accomplished by slightly ter- turning your shoulder back as you swing your hip forward. Right? That's how it operates, isn't it? That's how it operates as a wholeness. And so you lift your foot. Now you just even turn your shoulder back, you notice the foot moves forward by itself. It's this turn. The turn is the primary movement. So the hip swings forward and the shoulder slightly tucks back. It's not very exaggerated, it's just that. And then depending on how far you want to go with that, you can really push it forward or you could just take a slight step. But that's the movement. Yeah. And as you come coming down onto a foot, you feel the foot, and that foot's got to check that the ground is solid. So it's you're not scuttling, you know, as the foot comes down. It's not lingering for a long time. You really feel the soft qualities of the foot on the ground, and the strengthening, and then the moving. Stay with the whole thing, and then the movement is a spring. It's a light spring. And the descent, you're on, you're on springs, remember. The foot is soft, springy. The legs are soft. The muscles are soft. They spring. So we're not strutting. And this gives a lovely, fluid, gracious resonance the body enjoys. And it, begins, it becomes itself, which is a truly an animal in the right sense. You know, living, organic being. <laughs> with tissues that are responsive, fluid, alive. And sitting in that, dwelling in that, you feel the benefits of that. So let's take some time and uh, we'll have a a bell will ring in uh, due course. I think I've posted up the, the approximate schedules for the next few days. So if you could be back here by 10.30 and if you remember, stand. Take a few minutes standing if you like. Walk. As you walk along, I suggest you do like a 20, 25 pace thing just to really get into the internal experience of movement. Don't concern yourself with the outside. Internal experience of moving and this disengaged where your attention is on now and you can feel the body is turning around that, that axis. Mm. And you want to start to get into automatic, stop, come down into the ground again. Okay. Relax your shoulders, take a breath and then we're going to go into movement. And so this is the way, cultivating in this way, 
Uh, it helps the mind to uh, discard what's unneeded and strengthen in what's present and beautiful. So let's take some time for that. 